What is happening, everybody? Welcome to Off the Rails, a recovery podcast dedicated to ending the stigma of addiction through open discussion on all things recovery related. My name is Mark, and today we have Dave with me. Dave's going to introduce our special guest today. Yeah, we're real excited to have uh, our next guest on today. This gentleman is a podcaster. He's an author. Uh, he's been sober since 2016. And, um, you know, he's really spent a lot of time these days sharing his story and uh, trying to help others uh, stay sober. So we have on uh, Kenneth Watson. It's a pleasure. Thank you uh, very much, uh, Mark and Dave, Off the Rails Recovery Podcast. Uh, it's definitely a pleasure to uh, be on, um, be able to share my story and um, hopefully be able to impact and help others to, um, you know, reach this point that I've been in my life. Awesome, Kenneth. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, most of the times we just uh, kind of get our guests to take us through their life story. Um, myself and Dave will hop in and, you know, ask some questions. Um, so uh, let's get started, I guess. Uh, let's talk about where you were born. Um, I was actually born here in Florida, uh, Jacksonville, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, um, in 1979. But I actually left um, Jacksonville um, four months later. So I left in, in, in uh, 79 and I came back in 2019. But uh, my dad was in the Navy. So we traveled, uh, went from uh, Connecticut to uh, San Diego. And uh, that's pretty much where I spent most of my childhood. Um, my dad was uh, a recovering or was an alcoholic. So I witnessed that at a young age. The very first time that I had a drink was when I was about, about five, five years old. My dad would be like junior. Um, you know, go to the refrigerator and uh, get a beer. And he knew that I liked to open up the beer. So in, in the time from going from the kitchen to the, the den, I take a couple sips. And um, that um, pretty much I, I was an athlete. I, I played baseball, uh, basketball and football all the way up until my senior year in high school. Um, I was one of those kids that, um, you know, it was fun, you know, when you're in high school, you're an athlete and alcohol is, is there, you know, Friday nights, you, you want to, after the game, win or lose, you drink. And so it, it kind of started then, but the very first time I ever got drunk, I was 12 and I didn't really run into a lot of problems with alcohol until I would say um, right after I graduated college and I went to college in Minnesota. Uh, right outside of oh well outside of Minneapolis and St. Paul St. Paul in a, a city called St. Cloud and um, they're known for hockey I don't know if you guys are familiar with St. Cloud State and uh, I, I went there for uh, two years after we left California because I um, when I was kind of back take a couple steps back I partied in San Diego I uh, you know Tijuana Mexico was 15 minutes from my house so we were you know as a you know matter of fact I started going in high school and so I got the, the taste of alcohol then the party scene, but I wasn't really a person who had to drink every single day. And that didn't pick up until after, I would probably say, um, probably like 2005 is when, when I started to pick it up. And by this time I had moved to Arizona. So I've moved around, you know, went to college in Atlanta, Georgia at some point, San Diego, Minnesota. And when, when I moved to Minnesota, uh, moved to Arizona, I started hanging out with my brother and his friends 
and I wasn't working. So it was kind of like, okay, they get off work. I go meet up with them and then we're drinking, we're smoking. And I didn't realize that, okay, these guys are veterans in the game. I'm just this rookie that's starting out. You know, I was, before I even came back to Arizona, I was drinking MGDs. They were drinking malt liquor and all the, the 10% alcohol and stuff like that. And so I um, started, you know, picking it up. You know, I was depressed, you know, have a bachelor's degree and couldn't find work. And so it was kind of one of those things where I started to, you know, take jobs, just like, you know, the average, you know, citizen would just take jobs, even if you have a degree, no matter the pay. And I developed a problem in the process. And so I, for the, for the next like three years, it was uh, a dark period. And, and so I, I drank, I drank more than I went to work, needless to say. And so, of course, if you know, if you don't want to, you know, show up to work, guess what happens? You lose your job. So that's what ended up happening. So in between that period of the heavy drinking, I probably had about 20 to 25 jobs just within a two year span, if not more than that, because I just didn't want to go to work. I would prefer to drink or would leave work, you know, whatever it was. And my first brush with uh, the law was 2008, right before I left Arizona. I uh, got intoxicated um, that oh, I was engaged and the person I was with, she said she didn't want to be with me. So I had to go to work. Instead of working that day, I chose to drink and was kind of just MIA for the rest of the day and ended up going home. We got into a big argument and let's just say I destroyed property and they ended up taking me to jail. So in the process, because I left work that, that Friday, I ended up losing that job and that's where everything kind of, you know, went on the downward spiral. I was homeless um, in, in 2008, this is September 2008. So basically I was homeless, bouncing from family members' house to family members' house, houses for the next like nine months before I joined the army. And so I joined the army in 2009 because I didn't have anything. I was literally living out of uh, a suitcase wearing my father's clothes. And so it was like, I had no choice. It was like guaranteed paycheck, um, you know, first and 15th guaranteed medical housing. I, I, I had no choice. And with the military, um, same thing, uh, the culture, I don't know how you guys are familiar with the, the US military, but it's, it's almost like they want you to do your job, but when you're not working, go ahead and drink. And they, they encourage it. They'll, they'll talk about it in, in safety briefings. And so I was still dealing with demons before joining the army and it more or less carried over. And so with it carrying over, it affected my job performance. I would be late to work. I show up to work still smelling of alcohol. And it was just, it was a bad experience. But I know that if I wasn't drinking, I would probably still be in the army today, but I'm better today because I walked away from it. But yeah, I was, I was in the army. I served for six years in between that time I got married. That was the worst situation I probably could have ever gotten in. And I got injured in, I think what year was that? 2011, but it took a couple of years. I had four surgeries on my Achilles and I finally got out. And when I got out the army, it was, uh, I got out on a medical August of 2015. And 
I knew the day I signed out the military that the marriage that I was in was only gonna last another year. And it didn't even last that year. And so it was just me trying to find a job. I wanted to go to grad school, but I didn't. Um, I, eventually I did a couple of years later, but at that point I didn't do it. But um, I tried to work. I just wasn't capable of working because I wanted to drink. That was my main focus. And so I did that for uh, roughly about a year. I got sick. I was in the hospital <laughs> at one point with a pancreatitis. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. And I don't wish that upon anybody. That's the one of the worst feelings you can have in your stomach. And I finally just one day after our lease was up, I was, was homeless in, in Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix rescue mission for 45 days. And that's when I realized, okay, I need to leave Phoenix and get better. And so I went to Minnesota. And so I ended up going to rehab and I haven't looked back as, as you mentioned, uh, November, November 15th. 2016 is pretty much when I just surrendered and was like, I, I, this is the only thing I can do. And, you know, and, and I'm sober today because of it. So I'll stop there. Cause I, I don't know if I'm, you know, cut off some of y'all questions or anything. So no, that was awesome. Um, I had, I had a question just, you know, you made that choice to go to Minnesota and get, uh, you know, go to rehab. Um, so you recognize, you know, the drinking was an issue. Um, were you, did you know prior to that that it was an issue for you? Yes, yes, yeah. Because I, um, I, I did rehab in uh, my very first rehab stint was uh, that year I got arrested in two thousand and eight. Oh. But I did that just not not in the military, and that one, that one was in Minneapolis. And um, I did that one. Obviously, the, the the next day I got the the same day I got out of rehab, I was back drinking, and then I got sent to rehab when I was in the army in twenty fourteen. Same thing happened when I flew back from Virginia. The next day I was drinking, so I didn't learn. But this time, I I knew it was more or less because I had health issues. I found out I had diabetes. Um, my blood pressure was sky high. Um, the doctors were telling me that my my life expectancy might not be if I continue on the road that I was drinking because I was drinking from sun up to sundown. So I knew I had a problem, but I I was just more or less in denial regardless of how many scars I have on my body, it didn't matter. I, I still continue to drink. And it was just, cause I, I, I'll be totally honest. Like I drunk all the way up until a couple hours before I went to rehab. Like at first they weren't even gonna let me in because they told me, they were like, we, you can't have any alcohol in your, in your system when you walk in these doors. And so I walked in and I pretty much blew as if like, <laughs> like I literally, you know, like I, I had to be there, I think about eight o'clock in the morning and I probably stopped, stopped drinking that night, uh, probably about three and 3 a.m. So they, they had me on the 48 hour watch, make sure I don't go through no major withdrawals. And once I made it through that time, you know, I was in with the system with everybody else. But I knew I had a problem years ago, but it was just more or less the, the denial. I didn't want to address the issues, the pain that I was going through. And so, and even like I said, the other rehab experiences, I didn't really learn anything from it because obviously I still went out and drank. But this time I was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to live this life anymore. I don't want to be homeless. And when I say the, the day that I got out of rehab, I had the keys to my apartment. Um, my car was delivered um, to, from Phoenix. I had it shipped. And my furniture was shipped because I took everything from my ex-wife. Like I left her with nothing. 
So all this stuff was delivered to me, like literally the weekend I got out of uh, out of rehab, it was delivered from Arizona. So I, I just knew then that it was this, I, the, the journey that I'm about to go on is going to be different from anything else I've ever done. And so I was like, why not take the chance? And, and I, I mean, before, without even really going all the way through it, but I got my master's degree, studied in South Africa. I've traveled throughout the U.S., um, still traveling as, as we speak. And this is, you know, now I'm, you know, ad, you know being an advocate for, for sobriety. And, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm on a tangent. My bad. No, it's all good. Uh, I, I was curious about more your childhood as well with, um, you know, you're speaking about your, your, you know, your father being an alcoholic. Um, how many siblings do you have? I, you know, you have your, your brother who's 10 years older. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I meant to, I have two brothers and two sisters and I'm the youngest. Uh, my oldest brother is uh, 11, 11 years older than me. And then the next brother's 10. My sister's nine, nine years younger, nine years older. And then my my sister is three years, three years uh, older than me. You would see a lot of that growing up as well, like being the youngest. You just kind of think that's, I mean, I'm the youngest of five, so I can kind of relate to you kind of see, you know, your older siblings or you're hanging out with older people and you just kind of think that's what you do, right? You, mm-hmm. you hang out and drink. And um, so did you like early on, I know you said you recognized you had a problem, but early on, what did you do a lot of just, you know, comparing maybe like, I don't have an issue. Um, you know, this is kind of what you do. You, you kind of hang out and, and drink and, you know, you said you had your, your degree and everything, right? So you were doing, you're doing, you're doing well at, with your education and that kind of stuff. Um, but it, I, um, not to cut you off. I like my dad, like, you know, he worked hard. Like I said, he, but when it came to the weekends, he would buy whatever he drank. And then we had um, an old wall unit with a stereo system. And so he would just turn up the volume <laughs> and it would just be one thing that it would probably start at like eight o'clock at night. And it would probably go on to like two, three o'clock in the morning. And the shore patrol, which is like the military police, would come to the house. You know, we'd get a complaint from the neighbors because we lived like in um, kind of like a, it was like a, a U shape, but it was like maybe 10, uh, 10 families in, in, that lived in that area. And, um, but this was on a regular basis. So I'm seeing this. And of course, you know, it would be late at night. So at this time I might've been like four five, six years old. And so I'm sitting at the top of the stairs and I'm listening to my mom telling them that he needs to stop drinking. And, you know, we need to go to bed. The kids need to sleep, this and this and that, but he's not caring. He's more focused on continuing the drinking. As far as like my, you know, seeing my brothers drink I didn't necessarily see that in them until I was about 20, about 25. Because like I said, they, once they turned 18, both my brothers, they, one brother was in the air force. He left at 18. The other brother was in the army and he fought in desert storm. So they weren't at home. So when I was growing up, going through my teenage years, I didn't really have anybody that was really at home except for my sister because we were close in age. But when she turned 18, she was gone. I was the only child that stayed. I stayed, I stayed at home until I was like 23. So like, I didn't witness like the, the, the alcohol abuse as an adult until I moved to Phoenix. And then that's when I was, you know, cause I wasn't even then, like I used to work in radio in uh, Minnesota 
and I partied. I was in the clubs, all the popular celebrities that was, you know, back then. But I didn't drink like that because I, I lived like 45 minutes from the radio station. So I knew that I couldn't drink. So it was like, nah, I, I couldn't. So I didn't really pick it up until I was sitting here depressed because I couldn't find how is um how's your family dynamic now that you're you know in recovery? They love it. Yeah. They love it because when I call them, I'm not calling them in the middle of the night. I'm calling them during the daytime. And and so they they have definitely seen a dramatic change in my life over the last five years and five months. Um, you know, I've been able to, you know, move out of Minnesota and I've been in Florida now almost three years. And just the, the growth that they've seen me here and uh, the independence, because I, I had to prove it to myself that even though I am 42, that or I turned 40 when I got here, but that I could, you know, survive without my family and, and be able to do it because I mean, I'm going to be by myself at some point. So it was good. But I, I think that they know when we have like family get togethers, they know that I don't drink. And know not to come up to me when they're intoxicated. So it's it's definitely a, a different level of respect. That's great. When when it comes to um, you know the military as well, I'm I'm curious. You know, you, you said they kind of encourage that you know that drinking in, in the downtime. Have you talked to anyone um, you know from the army that's maybe you know over the last few years has that shifted? Has that culture changed a bit um, in speaking with people or? Um, I haven't, I, I've talked to, well, I actually, I keep in contact with a lot of people from, I mean, I've been out now almost six years. It'd be six years in August. And I still keep in contact with, um, I, I had two duty stations, one in North Carolina and one in Texas. I keep in contact with a lot of the people that I worked with. And as far as like, like new people, I would say from just off of like my post, when I do talk about the drinking culture, they still say that. And it's not just in the army, it's the air force, it's the Navy, it's the Marines. It's just one of those things. It's like, I don't know, like it, one of the, the, when I was in North Carolina, the, there was like a, like a liquor store, you might as well want to call it. And they made like a million dollars in like one day in alcohol sales, just one little small store. So you have, all the personnel in the military active duty, and then you have the retirees and the veterans that all came to this one store because there's no tax. You can get the alcohol for a very cheap price. And so that's what everybody, but I would say the culture itself, it, it will never change. It's, it's not gonna change. The only time that you can't get alcohol is when you're deployed, but they find a way over there to get it too. And this is just not lower, lower rank it's senior, you know, senior people as well. Kenneth, you mentioned your time at rehab. Um, how was the, how was detoxing? Or how was that experience for you? The, this last time or going, or going to an actual detox? Ooh, those are both, both good stories, I think. Um, detox? Horrible. That, that sucks. Yeah. I've been to detox twice um in minnesota the one no no i'm sorry detox once in minnesota and then detox um in phoenix the one in in minnesota it wasn't that bad you know it was kind of a funny story <laughs> but they you know it was cool you know i was on a 72 hour hold 
But when I went to the one in Phoenix, like that one, that one wasn't mandatory, it was voluntary. And there were people, like they had everybody just in like this open bay. And there were people that were running around like laps in the detox. And, but everybody's supposed to be sleeping. And so I was like, all right, well, I don't think I'm gonna be able to sleep this night. So the very next morning, I told them I went out of here. They're like, but I said, but no, I said, I don't care what you guys say. And I was like, I wasn't not to say it in a negative way, but I'm like, this ain't me. Like the stuff I'm seeing in here, this is not me. But it was more or less, it was forced by my family. So I, from the detox, I went to um, the homeless shelter. As I mentioned, Phoenix Rescue Mission. Um, my brother, my oldest brother, he's in the church and he was like, yeah, you, you should go there. I'm like, all right, it's a rehab. That wasn't a rehab. It was um, an organization that collects money and, and it's just, they, 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 it's all based on numbers. And so that, that experience, cause I was, before I got sober this time, I was sober about 45 days minus the, the two weeks before I went to rehab. I would say that the rehab experiences last time was the best one. And the reason why I say that is because I had a plan. I knew exactly like, you know, the things that I needed to do once I get out of, out of the rehab facility. I was, I was thinking like, okay, where am I gonna live? You know, where am I gonna go as far as my medical treatment and, and things of that such. And the, the program itself, it helped me. That's where the 12 Faces of Sober came from. It was uh, from one of, the, one of the classes where, you know, they, they asked you like how, you know, what is your emotion for the day or what is your type of face? So you have to go on there and be like happy face, sad face or whatever. So that's where the 12 Faces of Sober came from. But it was, it was, it was cool because I was able to get the necessary treatment as far as my health. And, you know, I started getting on the medication for my diabetes. Um, I didn't have to take insulin, but I had to take that. And then once over time, my blood pressure went down. Um, and I guess for me, is it because I'd already been to rehab? It was more or less like, I know that side of it, but I don't know the side of like having a plan and trying to execute. And so it was like, okay, I'm, I'm processing, what's going on in this, these classes. I'm, I'm volunteering, I'm you know, going to the AA meetings and all that stuff. But I knew that I don't wanna ever come back here. I've already done, been through rehabs before. So it was like, I've learned. And I, and I felt at that point, cause I was kind of going through the beginning stages of my divorce. So it was like, the further I'm away from her and the longer, the longer I'm gonna be sober. And so, <laughs> I've been sober ever since. And I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I recommend it if you have the resources, if you have the, the money. I was just speaking to someone yesterday on uh, Facebook and I was uh, telling him, he was like, I really wanna go to rehab, but I don't have the money. I said, there's other options out there, but you have to seek it. I was like, you let me know what city you're in, I'll try to research it. And I know some people out in California. So I'll probably be, uh, once I get done with you guys, I'll probably reach out to a few people and see if I can help them out. But I, I guess it's just for when I was 26, 27 going to rehab, obviously I knew that going that first time it was forced family. 
this last time I went was all me. It was my heart. It was like, okay, I want to party one last time. So I did that. My nephew, he took care of me. But then once I walked into those doors, I told him, I said, you ain't going to see me drunk ever again. And, and I haven't. So I guess it's just um, learning, you know, learning from those mistakes of previous rehabs and, and previous detoxes and took, you know, took it serious. And it was like, I, I wanted to make the change. And, and as I mentioned, like um, people in, in the rehab were, were like, was like, nah, this can't be true. Like I literally applied for grad school to get my master's degree on a Tuesday, got accepted that Thursday. And then once, like I said, I got out, started grad school like two weeks later. And so it was just like, I, I knew that I always wanted to have my master's degree. And so it was like, I, now the opportunity is there. And so now I'm just loving life, right? Writing books and, and, and that's it. The, uh, your, your book, the 12, 12 faces of sober, was that, um, you decided to write that, was that something you felt you needed to kind of get out there as part of your, part of your, um, recovery process, uh, or you just wanted to kind of share, you know, open up and share to people and help people with your story. Um, it was actually the students of St. Cloud State University. I was, I was um, in, uh, I was more or less like a volunteer. And, and I did like, I was going, it was a multicultural student services. And basically um, the, my old advisor from my undergrad, cause I went to that university in 2003. And then I came back in 2017 to get the master's degree. And so he was like, yeah, you know, I want you to be more or less a mentor to these students and talk to them. And so that's what I did. So it was like, People were like, man, you're 37. Why are you in school? I said, I, you know, so I would go into my story about the, my past drinking, how, you know, I, I just got out of rehab and, you know, I wanted to not go to work. I wanted to just put my mind on something else. And I knew the school would keep me busy because I knew that if I was drinking, I wouldn't be able to, to focus because I, I had already tried to go to grad school in Texas uh, in 2014. And I was too busy doing army life and drinking. And so it was, I more or less, there, the, the students told me, like, you know what, you need to write a book. It was like, this, the, this story that you're telling me is like amazing. And, and the crazy part about it, when I first had, you know, decided to write it, the, the book was still writing itself because I was, you know, early in recovery. And I was only, at first, I was only going to do the first year. And then I ended up doing the first two years of my sobriety. And you know how the different things uh, that's happened to me since getting sober, and you know even going back into my past, I talk about my uh, my two engagements, my marriage. I talk about the current relationship that I'm in right now, and um, the trust of my family. Um, the same thing, but it, it the the book, you know, because I, I have a couple other books that I'm doing, but I told people that a fraction, like there there are some chapters. There are some of the chapters in the book that can be its own book. And, and so I was like, okay, eventually I'll do that. And so that's where the, the next ones were coming. But I just felt like this kind of, you know, I needed to put something on paper and I put it out the best way possible, not knowing I'm not an author. I could not stand writing papers in college. So to, to do it was like, you know, it was a good thing. And I, I know that, okay, this is, something that I will forever have is that my story, you know, the beginning stages of my journey, 
you know, how I went from, you know, going from rehab to two months later being in South Africa on a free trip. Like the government paid for that trip. I don't know how much it was. And they put $3,000 in my pocket just to go. So it was like, okay, you know, things are starting to kind of pan out. So I was like, okay, I'm not used to the sober life. So it was like, all right, so let me just sit down. But I didn't write it until I think I started writing. I think it was June, June of 2019, right before I moved to Florida. I started writing it and then I completed it um, July, I think July 31st of 2020. So yeah, it was it was just something to, to kind of help people. And because I'm a veteran, that it, you know, people be be able to relate to it. I'm a victim of domestic violence. So there's different facets within the story that like I know people can people can be like, hey, I know I went through it, or they know somebody personally that have had those experiences. That is awesome, man. Um, on like a day-to-day level, uh, what kind of what kind of recovery tools do you use? recovery tools um most of the time now i'm just by myself so i usually just you know i don't work i haven't worked (laughs) since uh, 2015 so now it's more or less a focusing on the brand and you know of 12 faces of sober you know can i make a video that might bring a smile on somebody's face um is it um is it something informative um, you know, setting up podcast interviews, um, reaching out to people for podcast interviews, because, you know, I, I love to share my story, but I would rather hear others. So, you know, trying to perfect that craft and being online. I have a sponsor. I reach out to, I would probably say once, once, uh, give or take once or twice a week, depending on what's going on. She's 85 from Luxembourg and um, I love her to death. And she's, she has been, you know, been trying to get me to stop drinking since 2008. And so because she's known me since then, she knows my patterns in terms of if I'm struggling. And if she doesn't contact me that day, she'll contact me within 24 hours. Um, I, I talk to my mom every day um, as I mentioned, I used to only call her when I was drunk at night. Now I call her in the morning. We will talk everything from politics to history to, to everything. And I talked to my dad. Um, I don't, I didn't mention that, but there was a, a point throughout my drinking that the relationship with my father was strained. And even during the time that I've been sober, it's been strained. So, you know, we we're, we're working on it, but you know, you got two former alcoholics <laughs> that, some at some point grew up together and have had bad moments with alcohol and so you know working on that building the relationships that may have been severed when i was drinking um i go i go for walks um i i my my lady she she has a traveling job um she's a traveling social worker so we try to get to somebody's lake somebody's park somebody's trail to get out there and you know do some breathing and you know, just talk about the day, and that's it. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty simple. Like I don't I don't really do much because I know that if I get back into my old ways, it's gonna lead me back down the wrong path. So I I don't I, when I go to restaurants, I don't sit by the bars. I don't do any of that. But it's you know I 
I don't necessarily, and, and I, I want to be clear, like I don't necessarily follow a model in terms of like AA, I'm not against it. I've been to AA, but I just figured like I've, I've gone, you know, my, my recovery process has been like a remix to a song where you can only hear it if, you know what I'm saying, if it's being produced by me, if not, and you won't know, but you have to, you know, you have to see the process and, and making the videos, the pictures of the past to today, so I can remind myself, but let others know like, okay, you can make it through this and, and I'm living proof and I'm still early in sobriety and I want to make it to be 10 and 15 and 20 years. Because I'm, I'm not trying to look back, go back to anything I was doing as far as my drinking. I was talking to Mark actually before he jumped on and we were just discussing that because, um, you know, different, you know, some people really like meetings, going to AA meetings or NA. Um, have you found, because I know personally I've found, um, you know, doing the podcast and listening to people's stories, you know, you said you like hearing people, you'll share your story, but you like hearing it. Have you found that super beneficial in the process as well? Most definitely, because even with the interviews, like, because the stories are like so compelling. And, and like one person that I, I had on my podcast, she like, she didn't even have the drinking problem. It was her dad. And she just realized that, you know, she wants to navigate through the sober community but she felt like she's not doing justice if she's still drinking. So now she stopped drinking. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. And to hear the similarities, there are a lot of similar stories. You know, you have a rough childhood, you witnessed a parent's drinking, uh, you, you, you partied in, you know, at a certain point in your life and, you know, it became, or you got depressed, somebody died. I mean, I dealt with an abortion. That was another reason why. And so to, to hear these, you know, people say it, like one person I interviewed, she was a victim of domestic violence and she kept going back. It reminded me of when I was married and my ex-wife thought it was okay to put her hands on me. I'm a big guy, but I was also taught not to put my hands on a woman. But I knew I should have got out the situation. But because I was drinking, it kept me in the situation. Yeah, I agree. I find the podcast super helpful for... Mm -hmm. uh, for my recovery. And, uh, I know the guys feel the same way. Um, so Kenneth, what, uh, what does the future hold for you, man? I, I have, <laughs> um, where do I start? Well, <laughs> well, to be honest, I got, I have a children's book that I wrote. I have a publishing company that is actually people, um, that lived in my uh, apartment complex in St. Cloud and they, they started a company up there and they were, you know, really nice and polite whenever you know, we came in passing. So ever since I left, they've been following me on Facebook and they bought a copy of the book. And so they want to do business. So I have a, a children's book about me playing baseball in uh, San Diego as a kid. And then I, I'm also going into more detail with my book, uh, well, my army career, more or less the day to day. Because like I said, in, in 12 Phases of Sober, I kind of just touched on like certain moments. So I'm gonna talk about that. And between that, I, I would love, because my, my, both my degrees is in communications, but um, I would love to do some public speaking and continue, continue to grow within the, the sober community. 
and you know try to meet and touch as many you know, i'm sorry take that back meet as many people as i can and touch as many lives as possible and um just i don't know just you know travel more uh i'm right now i'm house hunting uh we thought we were gonna have a house done already but we had to you know had a little change of plans so um hopefully within the next six months or so i have a house married um and, and potentially depending on how the next two books go this might be a thing uh, as far as writing books because i have a whole lot more stories to tell and you know radio is definitely my radio years is definitely interesting you know but i don't know i just you know of course want to start a family i, I haven't had that luxury yet and uh, i have the a right woman that's um that I want to start a family with. So definitely that and just, you know, get, get a chance to, you know, be on good podcasts like this, talking to good people. That's all I really want to do. I'm like I said, I'm retired, don't plan on going back to work. So I would I would love to spend my days just talking about sobriety. That is awesome, man. Um, Dave, do we have any more questions for Kenneth? Um, no, I just... Uh... Sounds like uh, you got a bright future coming up here for yourself and uh, excited to see where that goes for sure. And, you know, hope we can stay in touch and uh, help each other out well, with definitely. the podcast. And yeah. Yeah. I would love for you guys both to, uh, you know, I would love to interview both you guys individually and hear you guys' story. That would be, that would be just as awesome. So, Hey, definitely, definitely we'll be reaching out to you guys. Yeah. That'd be perfect. All right, Kenneth, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we really enjoyed hearing your story and uh, thank you for all that you do for our community. Um, guys, if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, reach out and ask for help. Thank you very much for listening.